previously on the Sports Refuge podcast. Just watching that, it was huge. I had never seen anything like that. I never felt anything like that. From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Welcome to another episode of the special Sports Refuge podcast series where we highlight the teams in the NFL playoff field. I'm your host, Earl Holland. This episode, we'll look at the seven playoff qualifiers in the American Football Conference represented by fans of their teams. We'll be going in order from lowest seed to the top seeds, and they go as follows. Chris Weiss discusses how his Pittsburgh Steelers won four of its last six games to give future Hall of Fame quarterback Ben Roethlisberger the storybook ending to his career with one final playoff appearance. Terrence Blackwell gives his thoughts on a New England Patriots team that is back in the postseason following missing the playoffs last year in the first season of the post-Tom Brady era. David Elliott, a diehard Las Vegas Raiders fan, gives his take on how the Silver and Black were able to overcome an up-and-down season that also included the resignation of head coach John Gruden and the release of playmaking wide receiver Henry Ruggs in order to reach the postseason for the first time since 2016. Rich Wills shares his enthusiasm for his fourth-seeded AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals, who saw major gains under the second-year tandem of head coach Zach Taylor and quarterback Joe Burrow. Scott Martino discusses how this year's AFC East champion Buffalo Bills hope to reach their first Super Bowl since the 1993 season. Keith Abbott Jr. talks about how his beloved Kansas City Chiefs, the defending AFC West and AFC champions, will try to make their third consecutive Super Bowl appearance. And Jason Bruce, fan of the top-seeded Tennessee Titans, gives his thoughts on how far his favorite team can go on the legs of the returning Derrick Henry. And now, let's talk AFC playoff football. Here with me to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, who came off a huge win against division rival Baltimore last week, is longtime Steelers fan Chris Weiss. How are you doing today, Chris? Good. Thanks for having me. First thing I wanted to talk to you about, as I always normally ask our guests, is how did you become a Steelers fan? What drew you to them? Uh, I've been a Steelers fan for probably over 30 years. I uh, was in seventh, eighth grade. I was I grew up in New Jersey. And let's be honest, uh, nobody wanted to root for the Jets back then, late 80s. And uh, uh, the Giants, uh, my whole family were Giants fans, and I couldn't stand it. So spent a lot of time with my friend at his house. His family was from Pittsburgh and big Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And you just kind of fall in love with that defense. You know, back then it was uh, Carnell Lake and uh um, why can't I can't think of anybody right now? Um, uh, Rob Woodson. Woodson, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you just fall in love with that defense, you know. And that's, I mean, back then it wasn't big offensive, big splashes. Uh, that kind of came a little bit later on with Neil O'Donnell back in the early '90s. So you just kind of, you know, we definitely had our ups and downs. But you know, the good thing about the Steelers is that defense is always there. So there's usually ups. Definitely when it comes to that. One of the uh, next things I want to ask you is, what is your most memorable moment as a Steelers fan? Uh, there's a lot. Pretty much every play Troy Palomalo made. <laughs> uh, I would say overall, the, the Harrison interception in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, we used to have huge Super Bowl parties at my house, like 50, 60 people, like 30 of them were kids. Uh, we used to put movies on in the garage, on the back of the garage. We used to have like a, all the kids would bring their bikes and they'd drive in movie theaters. And I was on my way to the kitchen to go set something up. And then I heard like something was like, they were like playing something. And I was walking back in and I turned, look at the screen. All of a sudden there's Harrison 
just steps up, picks it off, and we're just like, oh, rumbling stuff. I mean, that was amazing. That probably was the best play that I've ever seen. Going into the season, what were the expectations for the Steelers? I know huge undefeated starts to start last year, and then all of a sudden following the Washington game, it just yeah. went into a tailspin. What were your expectations for the season, and what were you hoping you could see out of the Steelers? I know there was a lot of uncertainty whether Ben Roethlisberger would come back for uh, the season, and when you found out the news that he was returning, which might be for his last season in, in black and gold, what were some of the expectations for the team? Honestly, I, I knew we were going to be competitive. And that's really all I wanted from this season was to be competitive. Um, I, I knew that we'd have more than likely, I think we're, we're in line to have a winning record, possibly make the playoffs. We've kind of entered that rebuilding stage of what they're doing. And uh, I just knew we were going to be competitive. I knew it was going to be difficult with the offensive line being completely brand new. Um, a lot of players left. Uh, I don't think anybody expected DeCastro and Pouncey to just, you know, leave like that. And then, of course, we got rid of Villanueva, which not too upset about that. And I think the Ravens are finding out why. But it was one of those things that, you know, I knew we were going to be able to piece enough together be competitive i know a lot of people blame ben for what's going on right now and realistically it's that offensive line you know it's a different offensive line different five guys almost every week and that's tough that's tough for anybody was there a point in the season you felt that the steelers were going to be postseason bound yeah when we beat the bills first see game one when we beat the bills i was like all right we're gonna do this this is gonna happen this year um and then you know one step forward, two steps back, right? Uh, speaking of that, uh, what was the game that made you think uh, this team is not even ready for playoffs? They're not even going to finish maybe in the top two of the teams in the uh, AFC North. Yeah, uh, there's a couple. I know a lot of people would want me to say that tying the Detroit Lions, but honestly, I called that. That's the trap game. That's the game we lose every season. Uh, it's the Washington Redskins. It's the Oakland Raiders. It's the Denver Broncos with Tim Tebow. Those are the games that we just can't win for some reason. But honestly, for me, it was when we lost to the Bengals the second time. Not even the first time. Even that, I was like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, it was the second time. That, that one definitely hurt. Looking at the playoffs, potential for the Steelers to make the postseason, who do you think the Steelers match up the best with in the AFC playoffs? Uh, I think we match up fine with the Ravens. I think that that's a team that we can control and be in and have a chance at winning nine out of 10 times. You know, just there's something about their scheme that we, uh, we do well against and we can kind of keep that low. So those kind of those, you know, athletic type quarterbacks, I think we scheme well against them. Who's the team that as a Steelers fan, you're petrified to see in the postseason in the AFC. Well, right now it's the it's the uh, the Bengals. I, I we don't do well against those type of quarterbacks. Three step drop and get rid of the ball. Those are the quarterbacks that we struggle the most with. So I don't know if it's about their timing or the zone that we run, but that's the team that I really don't want to see in the playoffs. Now I have two questions. You know, normally I always give the guests a list of questions of what we talk about. I got two off the top of my head. The first one is. 
looking at the AFC North, did you expect it to be this competitive? Did you expect all four teams to be fighting for a playoff spot at the moment? In fact, it looks like most of the AFC, with the exception of the Jets and everybody outside of the Colts and the Titans <laughs> and the AFC South have been very competitive. But did you expect the AFC to be this competitive and the division itself, especially now with an extra team added to the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely, I did. All four of those teams have put together quite a roster. But, you know, when you're an AFC North fan, the Bengals always bungle and the Browns always brown. They always do. Um, so it always comes down to the Steelers and the Ravens in the end. But uh, I, I do think that I think the Bengals right now, uh, I know they took a bad loss to the Chargers. Um, but I think overall, I do feel like they're, and I hate saying that as Steelers fans, I think overall they're the better team right now. And I think they're really the team uh, to beat in the AFC. And another question we're going to talk about, the news talking about that this might be the last season of Ben Roethlisberger playing in Pittsburgh. Uh, summing up the whole Big Ben experience, how would you overall sum it up? And two, what do you hope the last chapter of Ben Roethlisberger in a Steelers uniform uh, includes? I've always been a big Ben fan, a big, big Ben fan. <laughs> I'm glad he came back this season. He has a lot to put out there. Again, a lot of people blame him for what's going on right now. And really, he's doing what he can with that offensive line. He doesn't have a lot of time. Uh, he definitely did a lot better when he had that pocket and could move up into the pocket. But, you know, our offensive line right now is still trying to figure out how to play with each other. Um, and, and, you know, finally the running game's going, so that'll help things out. I'm not opposed to him coming back next year. I don't think he will. I think he's going to reach that point where he's like, you know, I think it's time to walk away. I'm honestly not opposed to him returning next year um, and really kind of giving somebody other than who we have on our backups, uh, you know, a chance to learn under his tutelage. I agree. They say, did you think it was going to be him retiring or do you see it as a Johnny Unitas in San Diego situation? No, I see him walking away. He'll never play for another team. I can guarantee you that. You know, I think that he'll 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 walk away on his terms. And I think the way they restructured his contract in the offseason, I think, kind of lended um, that opportunity for him. Do you feel the future Steelers quarterback is on the roster now and and Rudolph and Haskins or? No, I don't. Um, Mason Rudolph will be, uh, in my opinion, he'll be a career backup. And Dwayne Haskins, uh, if his maturity ever catches up to his talent, you know, maybe he can make it some damage. Um, I could see him possibly um, continuing to be a backup for now, but I don't think the quarterback of our future is on our team right now. As we start going to the predictions for the Super Bowl, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? What's the final score and who's the winner? Uh, honestly, I would love to see a Chargers Rams Super Bowl. Um, I'd love to see those two teams go against each other with those two offenses. Um, there's so much, uh, so much firepower in both of those offenses. Um, I, I think, God, I keep going back and forth in my head. Honestly, I think the Rams will win it 34 31. But if that, if those Chargers could figure out something on defense, uh, they're going to be unstoppable. Do you have any uh, shout-outs you want to give to anyone? What are ways people can reach out to you on social media to talk about Steelers football? Uh, I'm only on Facebook. I'm not – I mean, I'm on some just because of my kids, but I don't do much on social media. I think social media is the devil. No offense to podcasts. I love podcasts. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, just on Facebook, I'll give a shout out to Mike Brittingham. Uh, he's the guy who kind of linked me into this, uh, guy I've been working with for the last couple of years. So good guy. And he's a Ravens fan and we're friends. So go figure. You can't mention the NFL playoffs or the ASC playoffs in general without the new England Patriots. Last year was the first time probably since Tom Brady was an active player, not counting the season where he was injured that the, uh, Patriots had a losing record, so you probably have to go back to maybe the Drew Bledsoe days. Here with me, a guy who probably can go toe-to-toe for me with sports knowledge as well, is someone, a friend of the podcast, a friend of the blog. He is someone who contributes to the blog, and you will definitely see his contributions with uh, the NFL playoff predictions. His longtime Patriots fan, Terrence Blackwell. Hey, I appreciate you for having me, and I'm doing well. It's playoff football time. It's getting real close to that time, so, you know, it's going to be real interesting. I will say that these playoffs on both sides are just looking crazy. And we'll talk about it further about the addition of the seventh playoff spot in each conference. But yeah, mm-hmm. that has made things more of a scramble. But before we get into all that, first thing I have to ask, how did you become a Patriots fan and what has been the attraction to them? I really just picked all my favorite teams when I was four years old. Ever since I was a kid, you know, going back to my bio, I would literally just sit in front of a TV, just sit and watch in front of, you know, ESPN and just literally look at everything, football, basketball, baseball, you know, whatever sport it is, you know, I try to, you know, at least have, you know, some kind of base knowledge about it. So it really started early. And to be honest, it all started to uh, annoy my family. Uh, My mother and my sister are Dolphins fans. And of course, Everyone doesn't like New England, and at that time, it was the AFC Central, and uh, that's when the Colts were in our division. We had to see Testa Verde and A.J. Fielder and all those kind of guys, even though uh, Testa Verde, he played for the uh, Jets, I believe. What is your most memorable moment as a Patriots fan? There's so many to choose from. Can you narrow it down to one? Um, Yes and no. Yes, because if we're going happy moments, I have a bad moment and a happy moment. But if we're going just the happy moment, definitely that 2014 Malcolm Butler interception. That literally left me speechless. Seeing that live, seeing the Seahawks drive, and we couldn't stop Marshawn. You know, Tom had just gone down the field, hit a beautiful China route to Julian Edelman. And we, we were looking pretty, but... We've seen what happens when we play in that stadium in Arizona. That's where we lost the uh, second Super Bowl towards the Giants. And uh, it just does not seem to go well for us. But, yeah, that Malcolm Butler's pick, that was amazing. Left me speechless. Going into the season, what were the expectations? I know 7-9 and nine with Cam Newton under center last year. And then going into training camp, and there was a talk of Mac Jones being picked. I know it all depended on what was going to happen. They were going to miss out on Trevor Lawrence and, and, and all the other guys that went ahead of them. Then the news comes out that Cam Newton gets cut. What did that mean to you when you heard that Belichick's going with, with Mac Jones, an unproven rookie, to start the season? Well, my expectations were that we were going to be the dark horse team. I did feel like we were still being where we are because I looked at our schedule and the first six to eight games, they looked pretty tough. I knew that fourth game against Tom was going to be uh, emotional, to say the least. And it was that for every Patriot and Tom fan like myself. But as soon as Cam got cut, 
I already knew at that point, you know, we're just going to go ahead. We're going to hopefully try to draft Mac Jones. Hopefully no one takes him. But one of my best friends, Josh Mayers, he is an Alabama guy. He's all Bama all the time. And he was like, Terrence, he's going to be the re-evolution of the pocket passer with guys like Trey Lance and Lamar and all these other mobile quarterbacks. Mac, he can move. He can get out the pocket, but that's not really his thing. But he's a traditional pocket passer. You know, he scans the defense, he speed reads, and he finds the best matchup for him and his guys. And, you know, that's something that Bill likes. Bill doesn't like when you turn the ball over or you're just not productive towards the team. Because if you look at when Tom was his first two or three years, he was very Mac Jones-like. He'll make a little five-yard out here. He'll hit the check down. He'll hit the halfback out of the flat or whatever, or on the Texas route or whatever that they're going to run. And he's willing to be okay with that. So as soon as we actually drafted Mac Jones, I actually felt very, very, very comfortable because I knew that he was smart enough to just speed read the defense and say, hey, if today's not my day to throw for 300 yards, I won't. But if it is, I'm ready. Was there a point in the schedule you're confident that the, the Patriots are going to the playoffs? Was it that seven-game winning streak? Was there a particular game in that streak? Was it the win against Tennessee? Was it the win against Buffalo? Was it a win against the Chargers? Was there any particular moment where you thought that the Patriots are the real deal? I kind of always thought that, but the game that really had did it for me was when Tommy came back home. Because, yes, granted, we did lose. And if the win wasn't as crazy as it was, who says our kicker doesn't make that field goal? And, you know, we beat the Bucs. Now, as a Patriot fan, that's how I was looking at it. And the fact that Tom coming back home, he's going to want to put up 50. And if there was ever a game where it was like, oh, man, whatever we do, do not ride out the cage of Tom Brady, it was definitely that game. And the fact that we held him to under 21 points, I don't know if anybody saw that as it was getting towards game time. I remember being at my uh, a friend of my family's house and we all had to get together and stuff. And before the game tipped off, I said, you know, I got a feeling that we got something for this scene. And we'll probably get to that in a little bit. But I definitely felt like that game was the turning point for us because we just realized if we can go toe-to-toe with them, they just won the chip. We can go toe-to-toe with them. We can go toe-to-toe with anybody. Was there a particular moment on the schedule that had you take a little pause? Was it the season opening loss to the Dolphins? Was it the loss to the Cowboys in overtime? Was it the Saints loss? Of the losses that we have, I would definitely have to say it was the Dolphins. But with that, that was Matt Jones' first start. So it was like, you know, it was a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, we lost at home to the Dolphins. And it's not even that game. It's our games at home. We have a losing record at home, I believe. But the fact that we traditionally do not lose at home. And I was expecting the loss to the Dolphins to come the last game of the year when we go to Miami. Because, you know, that is usually when we lose that game. It's not usually first game of the year when they come to us. But that Dolphins game, it got me a little worried. But I knew at the end of the day it was still Matt Jones' first game. Looking at the AFC playoffs, who do you think the Patriots match up the best with? Is it Kansas City? Is it Baltimore? Is it Tennessee? Is it Buffalo? I mean, two of those teams that you've already faced. Could it be anybody else that you uh, 
feel that the Patriots match up the best with in the AFC? Absolutely the Bills. The Bills, they're pretty much us, minus the fact that we don't have a Stephon Diggs. But they're very well coached. They have a great defense. They have a offense that can run the ball or they can throw you out the building. It really doesn't matter to them. They're really a team that just wor- that worries and cares about just getting the job done. Um, and the fact that Josh Allen, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of these games come down to what quarterback can make the most of his opportunities. And Josh Allen, he's been doing extremely well. And um, we haven't really seen Mac be in that position. But the fact that, you know, he's shown us already throughout the season that he can really just take whatever that the defense gives him and hurt him with it. I like that going in. And I kind of like the fact that we're a little bit in their head, too. Only throwing the ball three times last time in their building, having the whole playbook open kind of a little bit for the second matchup at home. Or we can just try to scrap to get that win out and see him in the playoffs. Who in the AFC petrifies you as a Patriots fan? Is it Kansas City? It's Kansas City, and that's it. And I'm not saying that because of anything else. I feel like our defense can literally almost go shut anyone down at any given time. That Chiefs team, I don't know how you stop it. I've always said it, and I've said it before. You know, they they started going on this crazy run. I mean, you can go to the times I was picking them, you know, in the playoffs on the blog. Like, it's hard to stop that team. Tyreek Hill, he almost requires a double. Travis Kelsey almost also requires a double. And then you also have to worry about Hardman. You got to worry about Pringle. Now they got Josh Gordon and the fact that, you know, Patrick Mahomes, after you shut all that down, Patrick Mahomes can still run and take off for a good 12 to 10 to 12 yards, and that is demoralizing as a defense. When you've literally covered every single thing, you've got the speedster down, you've got the possession guy down, you've got the guy that works inside the numbers, you've got the guy that works outside the numbers, you got all that covered. And he just jumps out the window for you, and he goes 12 to 15 yards. That just sucks. And scarily, that defense, I've been telling people also, that defense is just buying his time. Tyron Matthew is not going out like that. Mm-mm. He has championship DNA. Chris Jones has championship DNA. And I knew that they weren't just going to just let anybody do whatever that they wanted to. Patriots have a seven-game one streak. Chiefs have a six-game one streak. They terrify me. Makes a lot of sense, and I know we'll start getting to that as well. I mean, did you think that when they made the choice of Mac Jones, would you have liked to have seen Belichick in the front office maybe try to get a Trevor Lawrence to see if that opportunity arose? Because, you know, even if it's Jacksonville and you put Trevor Lawrence in New England's offense, is it a different story compared with using Mac Jones? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Mac Jones, I'm in a group chat and a lot of the stuff that I bounce off of when it comes to people, you know, we tend to think a little bit alike. We just don't say it around people. But Mac Jones probably is the only quarterback that came out of this draft that can actually play in the system because of the verbiage, because everything is so complicated. If you ask any NFL player what playbook, what system is the hardest to learn, it's New England's. And the fact that not only did he do that, I think he picked it up in like three weeks. You know, he had his girlfriend helping him run the plays and stuff like that. That takes extreme dedication. And I don't know if those other guys 
would have had the mental and or would they have had the drive to pick up on the offense and learn it. And he's also well, what, what Bill likes on the quarterback. He doesn't turn the ball over. He makes the throw. If it's not there, it's not there. And that's the definition of what Mac Jones is. And he's a speed reader. So I don't feel like we would be in this good of, of a position if we had any other quarterback. As we start to wrap this up, who do you have coming out? Of course, the Super Bowl prediction. It is the Super Bowl prediction. Of course, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? Who wins the Super Bowl? What's the final score? Before I say this, I'm letting you know because I'm probably going to be doing the uh, playoff predictions. It's going to be TBA. It's going to be to be announced. It's, it's going to be something to change. But as we sit here right now, I'll start in the NFC, and I will go Cowboys squeaking one out. And I got the AFC. Right now I got the Chiefs. And I have Patrick Mahomes figuring out how to stop a defensive rush that doesn't give him any time. I don't think his offensive line is going to go extinct like last year's. And we're really going to see what he can do against a high-flying offense on the other side and a very solid defense as well. And that will probably be 31-21 Chiefs. Makes sense. And, we, you know, there's so many weeks to go. We never know what will happen. So, Yeah, and that's why it's all subject to change. <laughs> and like Kenny May used to say, they don't play football games on paper. They play them inside TVs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, <laughs> as we start to wrap this up, Terrence, what are ways people can reach out to you, not only on social media? Do you have anything you want to promote as well? And any shout-outs you want to give to anybody? The only thing that I would promote – currently is just to support snow high school athletics for people that are watching this and you have a, you know, kid, son, daughter, you know, they're getting into high school, you know, try to think about them being a wrestler and, you know, yeah, I'm going to use this as a way to help get some athletes into the, uh, the wrestling room, but that'd be the only thing I had to promote. The way to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter, uh, capital S, Slacks, capital B, Black, 7. And uh, I've literally been posting about sports literally the whole entire time. Then, just like any other person, you'll get to see a little bit about me and stuff like that. And my shout-outs, I'm definitely going to shout-out my nephew, LT. His birthday's right around the corner, and we're going to do something very special for him. Also, a uh, brother-in-law, Larry Bishop, his birthday's right around the corner. You know, just shout out them. And my boys, Joshua Mayers and uh, Alec Foote, I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for everything that y'all do. And thank you for keeping me going the past two years. And my family. And just want to thank God. You know, it wouldn't be possible without them. And every single day, we just got to try to keep getting stronger. Las Vegas Raiders, who have had an up-and-down season. And I guess up-and-down would be, I guess, an understatement, especially everybody who's been watching everything that's been going on. We're going to talk a little more about that. But the Raiders have found themselves still in the hunt for an AFC playoff spot in a crowded AFC West and also a crowded AFC conference overall, especially with the addition of that seventh playoff spot as well. And here with me to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders and their season is longtime Raiders fan, David Elliott. 
thank you so much for taking time to talk to me about the Raiders because it's funny. My dad is a diehard Raiders fan, and at least it gives me a little bit of a sauce. Most people know my dad is a Raiders fan. But all the formalities out of the way, want to talk to you a little bit about your fandom and everything you were expecting for the season. Sure. Been a Raiders fan probably for about 25 years. I was a late bloomer, so I didn't start watching a lot of sports till my high school years. So um, the days of when Marcus Allen was going out and, you know, Rich Gannon days, the Jerry Rice is coming in into Charles Woodson days. Kudos to my man Charles for the Hall of Fame as well. What is your biggest Raiders moment? Was it their most recent trip to the Super Bowl? Was there something else more important? Was it the big win they had on the week after Al Davis passed away? Was it anything along those lines or was it something different? Memorable. Hmm. Um, probably a bad memory, honestly. <laughs> good old 2002. A good old New England tuck roll game. We were Super Bowl bound. I can assure you, but that was a heartbreaker of a game. That was just one of those games. But it's been a long time since we've been to the Super Bowl, let alone the playoffs. 84 was the last year of the Super Bowl, I believe. Obviously, Tampa Bay, when John Gruden shifted over um, after being the coach that year. Al Davis passed away. You brought that up. Obviously, a lot of memories there with Al, you know, and just winning. But um, it's been some tough love here lately. But this year was trying. I know we're going to get into that in a few minutes. But that 2002 game against New England is a, is a memorable game, not in a good way, but it's probably the, the biggest memory uh, game that I've watched uh, since being a Raiders fan. Going into the season, expectations had to be high. Second year in Las Vegas, <sighs> another year under John Gruden. What were you expecting the Raiders to do, especially in the AFC West? Going into the season, Gruden in, into uh, his third or fourth year of the contract. You know, the draft, we've been – I don't know. We've always been up and down in draft. I, I like Ruggs. We'll talk about him probably, I'm sure, in a few. Had high expectations for him as a receiver. I believe he would be an elite receiver. But due to circumstance, you know, he's no longer with us. AFC West, you know, it pains me to talk about Kansas City, but they're the elite team in the West. There's no question about it. Even in the beginning of the season, they were on top of the AFC West in my book. Expectations, you know, I had us Raiders about a 10-win season, and I truly believe we can still get there which would have made the ceiling a little bit higher, maybe even the 12 wins. You know, we've had a, a second half losses that we shouldn't have as a team based on the other teams and you know how I feel that they are in the league. But I expected us to be a 10-win season, and we've got to really get our defense in check. We played some good games on defense, but our defense has been a struggle for years. So we need to work on that. But I had us as a wild card team at 10 and 7, and I feel like we could be better than that. We have to have 12 wins if we run out from here. I mean, we got a tough road, but um, – Definitely uh, above 500, near 10 and 7, give or take. Was there a particular moment in the season that you felt this team can do great things and, and maybe give Kansas City a scare, especially Kansas City had a, a slow start to the season, but did you feel like there was a particular point where these Raiders, they're legit? You know, history here the last few years, we've came out hot. This year, 5-1, and 6-2. and two. Derek Carr, passing leader for those first five or six games. You know, a lot of people knock Derek Carr, you know, as far as his ability as a quarterback. But I like to see stats as well. Some people say stats don't mean anything. You know, it comes down to winning ball games. But Derek Carr is an above-average quarterback. And going into that front half of the season, I mean, there were some tight games. Week one against Baltimore, 
We had to come from behind and take that victory. But we look like an above average team. We look like a playoff team. And here we are in the second half. And like we came out the second half of the season and just struggled. We struggled against teams that we shouldn't struggle against, in my opinion. Was there a particular game? I know you mentioned the big win against Baltimore that made you think, oh, here we go again. Oh, yeah. It was week seven. I think we were five and one. The Bears game, I think that was game seven. I think we might have had a win in between that and week nine. We played the Giants. We lose two out of three to the Bears and the Giants. No disrespect, Bears fans or Giants fans, but we're supposed to win those games. We're supposed to be seven and one, seven and two, you know, at worst. You sit there, you don't want to listen to commentators. You don't want to listen to that. But, you know, the history has shown that we, we, we fall off in the second half. And that's sort of where we fell this year. And, when, once that Giants game happened, it put us at five and three, five and four. And then I think we had a win in between. We lost like three in a row along the line, you know, and then a couple of weeks ago, you know, big game in Vegas against Washington, your homeboys. Washington was coming in on a little high, you know, they had their feels, um, but, you know, I feel like we should have won that game and it came down to the last play of the game. We should be a 10-win team right now. So, you know, that second half of the season going into that Bears and that Giants week six through nine, that was the turning point. That made you wonder. Looking at the playoffs with the Raiders getting the chance to get in because there's still mathematical chance. Right. And, and who knows what kind of calamity may occur because that's the craziness of the final couple of weeks when it's a lot of divisional matchups. But who do you think the Raiders match up the best with in the AFC when they get in the playoffs? Oh, when they get in the playoffs, huh? Um. That's a tough one thinking about now as far as the matchup. But if it, we got into the playoffs with the possible eight or nine teams in there right now, you know, we're using the overall picture. I think we would match up well with somebody like the Dolphins, the Ravens. You know, I'm not a believer in certain teams like the Bills. Um, Josh Allen's a great quarterback, but the Bills just don't impress me. I do think Kansas City stands out amongst the rest. Colts are playing good football. I don't want to pick a lower end of the team, but we're in the middle of the pack per se. I mean, you know, matching up. You know, I was thinking regular season, we really match up pretty well with Denver and seem to have their number. But, you know, somewhere around the Miami, Baltimore, you know, uh, regime of, of teams is where I think we, we probably match up good with right now. Who's the team that you as a Raiders fan would be scared of seeing in the AFC playoffs? Yeah, so I hate bringing them up because they're in our division. And, you know, Kansas City's the team to beat. But as far as the the team I don't want to see, and I feel like it's playing really good football, well-balanced all the way around, is the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor's running lights out. You know, their offensive line is great. Their defense is great. Wentz is playing good football. We match up with them this week. Um, looks like Wentz is going to play. There's been some controversy with that. The COVID protocols, um, going on. Uh, looks like he's going to have an opportunity to play, which I'd want the best of their team to play. Um, but I think, and even last year, I said the Colts were probably the scariest team in the AFC going into the playoffs. They're playing uh, pretty good football right now. So, um, you know, I'm going to go with the Colts, um, obviously leaving Kansas City out there as, as the favorite, but the Colts are probably the team. We would be remiss to not talk about it, but the fallout from Everything that's happened with the Raiders this season, the release of Henry Ruggs, the resignation of John Gruden, and the mm -hmm. elevation of Rich Bisekia as the head coach. How have these things all played a role mm -hmm. in the fortunes of this team? And do you think, had this not occurred, that Gruden would have them really 
on track to be in the playoffs. They would be higher than an eight-win team right now. Coach B is a great coach. He's stepped in. I'm a Gruden fan. A lot of people don't like Gruden. You know, they just think he's a, a quarterback coach. Gruden would have us in a position, in the same position. We wouldn't be any worse. Would we be any better? Maybe. Putting the rub situation in the equation, you take him out of the equation, you're taking dynamics out. I mean, he's up and down the field. D-Jack comes in. He's a long ball maker. But, you know, rugs was a key. Uh, there's no question about it. Deshaun's trying to fill a void, but he's aged. But I like Deshaun Jackson. So you take the dynamics out of rugs, Gruden, email, scandal, whatever you want to call it, all happened within like a three-week window. Everybody knows it put a damper on the locker room. Carr tried to step up and, and, you know, he is the team leader. And I just think in general, he's a great person. If you listen to any of his interviews, not even being a Raiders fan, you just know he's a genuine person. He's tried. I'm, I'm sure he's put every ounce of blood he's got out there on the table for them guys to, to keep them ready every week. But, you know, it does change the dynamics of the game. It does change. You have something like that happen. You lose your coach who's who's been your coach for the past three or four years, been part of the organization technically probably for 20 years. That hurts. And then, you know, the rub situation, man, it's a shame that it happened. But he was a dynamic player, and obviously he, he can change the game. Before we go into the Super Bowl prediction, this is one thing that I wanted to mention because we had just all heard the breaking news of passing of John Madden at the age of 85. You know, a lot of younger people who you didn't see him coach, who didn't see him as the star color commentator on CBS and then heading into Fox and before he went to NBC and, and ABC. That is a huge impact, uh, especially on this interview and you being a Raiders fan and for Raiders fans in general. Uh, that loss, what does that mean to you, especially being a Raiders fan? John Madden was probably the biggest, in my opinion, one of the biggest names in the NFL ever. Not because he was a Raider or coached the Raiders. His passion, everything about the game of football, I mean, he just bled. You mentioned the commentating. I mean, look how many different broadcasts he did, NBC, ABC, ESPN stuff, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he just poured everything into it. And, and yes, he was – the Raiders coach, he brought that first Super Bowl back in 77 against the Vikings to the Raiders. And, you know, he's just the icon. He's, he's probably the biggest name in football. You know, if, if you said, hey, who do you think is the biggest name in football ever? You know, John Madden's probably going to come out of eight or nine people's mouth out of 10. And if not, I guess you, you never really <laughs> were a big football fan if you don't know John Madden. But he was 85, but John was probably the, the, one of the biggest names in football, and, and, and it's, a, it's a devastating loss. Now trying to turn the page to a little bit more uh, optimistic and upbeat, uh, let us look at your prediction for the Super Bowl. Who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? Who wins the game? What's the final score? So I can give you the easy answer, but I'm just going to make it a little broad here because that's just what I do. You know, at the beginning of the season, I always put my predictions out. And nobody likes to see the same games. Nobody likes to see the same champions year in and year out. But the fact of the matter is when you're good, you're good. You know, I went into the season and I, I sort of, you know, gauged AFC and NFC. And I, I really liked Kansas City and the AFC. And I actually had, believe it or not, I had the Cleveland Browns as probably the runner-up in the AFC. Obviously, they've been depleted by injuries and my God, every every other thing you can probably think of. And then I threw the Bills in the equation as like the third third out there. So that was the AFC. And the NFC, you know, I had the Bucks. You know, they came back with a complete team, didn't lose a player. 
You're never going to count Aaron Rodgers out with that core that he has. And, you know, I really like the Rams on paper. Uh, on paper, they've had their ups and downs. But to get back to your, your overall question, um, I'm sort of still stuck on my predictions. I think Kansas City still the best team in the AFC. I think, you know, they're coming out of the AFC. Kansas City will come out of the AFC. Uh, the NFC can be a little more challenging. You know, I'm probably going to stand behind my picks despite some injuries that are happening right now. I still think they're probably going to be the most well-balanced team experience-wise. I'm riding with a repeat. I'm riding with a Kansas City-Tampa Bay Super Bowl, despite a little bit of injuries on, on Tampa right now with Godwin being out for the season. Edwin is, is banged up. But I'm going to ride with that. And I know my buddy's watching, and, and I've, I've said this, and I'm going to stand behind it again. I know going into that game, if it is that game, that Vegas is going to make the spread what it is. But I don't bet against Tom Brady under a touchdown, no matter what. And I do bet a few things out there. So nobody wants to hear it. Putting another ring on Tom Brady's hand. We're going Tampa Bay over Kansas City, 28-21. A lot of people have been picking the winner by one possession. Whether it's a field goal, whether it's four points, whether it's a touchdown, I have not heard any blowouts. So that is it's very interesting seeing all the picks from the different variety of people who have made their predictions and regardless of who the teams were. And not everybody was picking Kansas City and not everybody was picking Tampa either, which is interesting. And again, it's just, you know, it's all opinion. I just think the NFC is stronger with teams. Um, I do think... Again, Kansas City, I, I like out of the AFC. Um, but the teams I mentioned in the NFC, and I didn't even include the Cowboys. I know you don't want to hear that, but I mean, and it's not because of the game last week. But, you know, you look at their team on paper. You look how they've played this season for the most part. They're top four, top three team in the, in the NFC. Any of those four teams, and, and I've left Arizona out sort of because they've skid a little bit, but um, I wasn't a believer in Arizona. I like Colin Murray. They have a, a really good squad. But any of those teams in the NFC, in my opinion, can come out. I just think you have more of a, a group of teams that could come out of one division versus the AFC. But I'm going to stick with the Tampa Bay, Kansas City. We're going to roll with the um, the Bucks if it came down to that. David, I really do appreciate you being a part of this interview and taking the time out of your busy schedule to do it. I know life gets crazy and, and things are a little insane, and I do appreciate it. But before we wrap this up, wanted to know, did you have <clears throat> any... Shout outs that you wanted to give to anyone, anything you wanted to promote as well. And what are ways people can reach out to you on social media to talk Raiders football? Oh, everybody knows me. You can reach out to me on Facebook, Dave Elliott, or you know, I have my uh, DJ business. Shout out to that. Absolute Entertainment. We're on Facebook as well. You know, it's been uh, not a lot of people know. I'm not you know, going to head on it, but, um, you know, I've had a trying time over the last couple months myself. Shout out to my family and friends for being there. Uh, being supportive of everything. And I uh, appreciate everybody. I appreciate you uh, letting me on this broadcast to talk a little football, a little sports, because I love my sports. So I appreciate that. And um, and well wishes to you and your family, too, coming up with that uh, newborn you got coming. The Cincinnati Bengals playing in one of the most competitive divisions right now in the NFL, the AFC North. Very competitive race. And it's sort of been like a merry-go-round where everybody's been beating up on each other. But who knows who will come out on top in that division. But here to talk about the chances of the Bengals in the NFL playoffs and the AFC playoffs in general, here is my guest, longtime Bengals fan, Rich Wills. Rich, how are you doing today? 
Uh, doing pretty good. How are you? I am doing absolutely great. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast. First of all, I wanted to start off and ask you, how did you become a Bengals fan and what was that like? And I am assuming you go back to the Sam Weish days uh, as a Bengals fan or maybe even b- before that. Uh, not not quite that old, uh, unfortunately, when they were the, the last time they were good. But uh wasn't really until uh, like, you know, the late late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, pains me to say it, but uh, I was I was more of a Dallas Cowboys fan in the early 90s. My parents didn't really watch football, so I didn't really have any, uh, you know, homegrown allegiances. But I uh, once Jeff Blake and kind of the Carl Pickens days during the Bruce Coslett era of the the Bengals, not not necessarily um, you know what you would call good teams, uh, but they were at least fun to watch. So I was uh, what twenty some odd years now. Uh, what is your most memorable moment as a Bengals fan? I know sometimes memorable can be both good, bad, ugly. But to you, what stands out in your fandom as a Bengals fan? Unfortunately, most of the last 20 years have been more uh, pain than good. Uh, there's a playoff games against the Steelers uh, in 2015, but I'll, I'll go with the happy one. Uh, it was 2000, uh, Corey Dillon versus the Broncos, and we set the NFL rushing single game record at the time. That was really the first time I became a diehard Bengals fan. Just enjoyed watching him before then, but never really was a fan. But then kind of after Corey Dillon set the record, you know, kind of got my attention and I've been a fan ever since. Expectations going into the season. I know Joe Burrow had that season-ending knee injury last year, and he was having a pretty good season despite you know despite the injury. And then, of course, Zach Taylor in his first full year as a head coach after Marvin Lewis's departure. What were you hoping the Bengals would be able to do going into this season, especially a year under each of those uh, both Taylor and Burrow's belts? Uh, I, th- I think the expectation for me. Most of it was, uh, you know, being able to be competitive in games. Um, you know, wasn't quite sure what their record would ultimately be. And from the few glimpses I had last year, uh, for the first uh, before Burrow got hurt, um, I think the offense could could move the ball. You know, their offensive line wasn't necessarily the best, but they were still able to uh, use the weapons. Uh, Higgins and Boyd outside and Uzama uh, before he got hurt, unfortunately. And then once Burrow got hurt, it kind of all kind of all went downhill but so i think uh, offensively i i figured they'd be at least able to move the ball fairly well to at least stay competitive in games run game was kind of a worry uh because once again the line was so bad Mixon wouldn't really be able to get a lot of room uh, but they were able to address that in the off season. they added uh, riley reef uh, on the right tackle spot and then uh kind of picked up a couple draft picks also adding Jamar Chase, you know, help the offense and uh, be more dynamic on the outside. So uh, offensively, I figured they'd be at least able to, uh, you know, put up some points. Uh, defensively was where the, I think the question mark really was. Um, they were, I think, in the bottom half of the league last year in, in pass defense and I think almost near dead last in rush defense. So they were just uh, couldn't stop anything. But they added a lot of good pieces in the offseason. I think we got uh, Trey Hendrickson from the Saints. He's a good D-line. He's been uh, kind of underrated this year. He's had a sack, I think, in seven straight games, and he's been playing great. Um, added a Larry Ogunjobi uh, from the Browns, another D-lineman. And we added a couple corners. Um, so it really helped kind of solidify the defense. Um, I was saying for the most part, that was kind of the – largely unknown what they would be able to do. And it seems like they've been doing great so far this year. So it's been fun to watch. 
Was there a point during the season that you were optimistic the Bengals were making the postseason? Was it that win against Baltimore? And it wasn't even just a win. It was a drubbing of Baltimore. Uh, was that the particular moment where you were optimistic that playoff chances are big, especially now with a 17 field as opposed to a 16 uh, playoff field? Yeah, that I think made it really uh, seem like it was definitely possible. Like we have the ability and the talent to compete with the, the good teams, past teams uh, would would kind of get to these big games and then just usually get beat kind of like how they beat the Ravens. So they would just get dominated, you know, going back to the Marvin Lewis era lots of times. But uh, the pessimistic, I guess, uh, experienced Bengals fan in me knows that, uh, you know, just can't hope. So I don't know that I'll ever fully hope until they're 100% in the playoffs. But the, uh, uh, yeah, definitely the Ravens game. They were a little banged up at the time, the Ravens, so it uh, might not be the same team we see in uh, two weeks, So, but uh, hopefully get kind of the same outcome. Uh, but they were just able to come out after halftime, and uh, I think they held the Ravens to seven points in the second half and just really put it on them. So it was fun to watch, definitely unexpected. Uh, same before then, I think they were just kind of a, a speed bump for Lamar Jackson, not even, so they were just creaming us the last several years. And then uh, this definitely gave some hope that we could definitely make the playoffs. Yeah. Looking on the other side, was there a point where you were a little pessimistic, a particular game that just said these guys are not ready for prime time? After the Browns game, uh, you're saying we kind of on a high after beating the Ravens uh, like we did and then uh, lose a close one of the Jets up 11 points with five minutes to go and then blow that game late uh, so that was a tough one I, that happens in the nfl uh, so you know hopefully bounce back in a tough division game against the browns still feeling good and then they just got killed and nick chubb ran all over them and just couldn't do anything right that game and then then their bye week came so it was a, a good time for them but then it you know as a fan it gave you some extra time to kind of sit and you get three weeks to had some tough losses and then you get to wait and then they come out and have a just a, a brutal second half schedule luckily they've uh, come out of it with two wins, but it was definitely a, a scary time. Past Bengals teams, I think they've been in the last you know six seven seasons, they haven't won a game after their bye, and so like everybody is just all pent up, ready to like oh the season's about to collapse per usual you know after the bye, but they've uh, come out differently thankfully. Looking at the playoffs, the potential of the Bengals making the playoffs. Who do you feel the Bengals match up the best with in the AFC playoffs? Man, there's so many good teams. It's it's hard to think about. But I, I think Baltimore still, I know in the first game, we were able to contain Lamar Jackson pretty well. And if you can keep their running game kind of in check and prevent them from running all over you, it uh, force them into passing situations. It gives you a chance against them. You're not always going to stop them, but it gives you definitely gives you a chance. And uh, I think the Browns showed last night with the, the four interceptions on them. It can be done. So if you can keep their running game in check, they can be beat. And then uh, I think defensively, they're last against the pass right now. And I feel like our passing offense is really, really efficient. Great with Burrow and the receivers that we have and mixing out of the backfield and uh, Uzama at tight end. I think it's a really good matchup for us. Who are you worried about seeing in the playoffs? Is it someone in particular? Is it New England who's starting to surge? <laughs> Is it Kansas City? I mean, Baltimore? I mean, could it be anybody else? Could it be Tennessee? I know that's always a scary proposition when it comes to uh, a lot of the teams in the AFC. But who, as a Bengals fan, scares you? If Derrick Henry comes back uh, from Tennessee, uh, you have to be obviously scared of him because that guy is uh, just a truck out of the backfield. I think that the Patriots right now, they're, they've they looked really good in the last you know seven, eight weeks. I think they lost a close one to Dallas. And then other than that, they've just been crushing teams. And um, you know, Bill Belichick has a, a habit of you know getting the most out of his players. Even they're, they're doing it with a lot of 
a lot of guys that might not necessarily be, you know, all pro guys, big name players, but they're getting the most out of it. Their defense is playing great. And uh, Mac Jones, man, what a steal that guy was for him. I'm a big Buckeyes fan. I grew up here in Ohio, so I was hoping Justin Fields would fall there because I figured he'd, that'd probably be the best spot for any of the rookie quarterbacks. And, and Mac Jones ended up there and he's just, uh, he's been killing it. So they're going to be a tough, a tough team. And Belichick knows how to uh, scheme better than everybody to be able to attack your, the team and definitely scary. <laughs> Looking at the progress that the Bengals have made, if they make the playoffs and win a playoff game, would Bengals fans be content with that, especially knowing that how unfortunate they were in the Marvin Lewis era to not win a playoff game? Would they be content with that? Okay, that's it. That's fine. Or would they want more after that? What do you feel? Uh, I think they'd be content to finally get the uh, weight off the shoulders as far as the those crushing uh, defeats. Zach Taylor's been on the hot seat a little bit, but he's seemed to, everybody's coming around on him this year now. Everybody, It's uh, a lot more of a positive energy coming from this team. So I think if we get one, it'd, it'd be good. Next year, probably a little higher expectations, but this year, I think one win is great. Going to the playoffs and looking at the prediction, who do you have for the Super Bowl coming out of the NFC? Who do you have coming out of the AFC? And who wins the Super Bowl and what is the score? Oh man, it's uh, this has been an interesting year this year in the NFL. I'll say that much because a lot of a lot of the injuries, I think, more than I've ever seen. And there's so many good teams, especially in the AFC. You know, everyone's in like the seven and five or uh, yeah, seven and four, six and five range. I think anybody could do it. I think uh, I narrowed it down between uh, Buffalo and New England. I think I think Buffalo just because I think uh, Josh Allen's a little more experienced. I think they come out of the AFC. I mean, any one of the top you know five or six teams though wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. Uh, out of the NFC, I think uh, it's a three horse race there with Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and uh, Arizona. And I guess until anybody proves otherwise, it's uh, you know Tom Brady out of the NFC. As much as that pains me to say, because I think everybody can't wait for that guy to retire. <laughs> But I'll take Buffalo over Tampa Bay, uh, 35-28. Just I don't feel like that'd be a defensive battle because really two good offenses and uh, those quarterbacks can put up some points. So a little higher score, but uh, Buffalo pulling it out just to break their Super Bowl curse too. Especially with the struggle Buffalo's had, it's hard to even, you know, figure them in the race because I feel like what are the, you know, they had that collapse in AFC Championship game and, and they just – you look like they didn't recover, even though they got out to a strong start, but they don't feel like they're the same team as they were last year, a team that could give Kansas City, in my opinion, a threat. But, you know, you, anything happens on a particular day, so you never know. Um, so, Rich, before we start to wrap this up, I wanted to see if you had any shout outs, uh, any any uh, anything you wanted to promote and what are ways people can reach out to you to talk Bengals football? Um, I'm uh, always happy to talk football with anybody, uh, anytime, anywhere. I don't really have a, a social media or, uh, you know, anything following, but, uh, you know, my Facebook page, if anybody really wants to talk, I'd be more than happy. No other shout outs. Just hope, uh, you know, who day go Bengals. And here with me to talk about the Buffalo Bills is longtime Bills fan, Scott Martino. Scott, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, no problem. I always try to, to look at fans of different teams. I try to change it up each year. I know that I had a Bills fan last year and a different Bills fan a couple of years ago, and it's really interesting to see, really, the progress the Bills have been making over the years, especially in the division that used to be ruled by the Patriots a lot. Uh -huh. And 
And it's definitely <laughs> good to hear a little bit of good talk about the Bills. Yep. Starting off, how did you become a Bills fan and what was the attraction to them? Oh, wow. Well, when I first started watching football in like early 90s, we lived upstate Pennsylvania. And so all of our local stations were out of Corning, Elmira. So, you know, early 90s, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, they were all over the the television. So I just started watching them and just stayed a Bills fan ever since. Is there a particular moment, and I know that those names like Thurman Thomas, Andre uh, Reed, Don Beebe, Pete Metzelars, of course, Jim Kelly, Frank Reich as well. Yeah. Those names all stick out. But to you, is there a particular Bills moment yeah. in the past few years, even good or bad? It, it could be anything ranging from Frank Reich's comeback to this recent run in the AFC Championship game, even the worst case, the, the Music City Miracle. But is there a particular Oh, no, no, that's not a field? miracle. That's a, that's a forward pass. <laughs> <laughs> I know Titans fans will definitely debate that. And I know that's that a forward a pass. <laughs> there is no way anyone will ever be able to tell me that's not a forward pass. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you. I remember watching that game and just knowing that that was a forward pass and having your heart ripped out after that. Most recent years, I think Josh Allen's rookie year, watching him leap over to the defender in Minnesota. A couple years before that, I don't remember exact year, the – snow game in Buffalo against Indy where it was like a foot of snow or a foot and a half of snow on the field as they were running up and down the field. I remember the Super Bowl years, um, obviously coming up on the wrong end, the wide right field goal. Uh, man, so many I remember watching. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. There's a wealth of memories to choose from, and it's good to know about that. And one of the things I also ask is coming into the season – AFC Championship appearance, first one in and in years. It feels like more than several decades. But what were the expectations going into the season coming off of that that loss in AFC Championship? I know there had to be a bit of a hunger from the fan base about seeing them get back to a place that they were very familiar with in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, for me, I was thinking they really had a solid shot and still do have a solid shot at going to the Super Bowl. I mean, they brought back – Pretty much a lot of their core players last year. I mean, they brought back Matt Milano and uh, Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams on the offensive line and John Feliciano. And then they added Emmanuel Sanders. I thought that they were and still do think that they have a very good shot at the Super Bowl this year. I know, again, 13 and 3. And. And sometimes you think when you win 13 games, short of being a 14 15 win team. What were was there a particular win total that you were looking at for this season? Uh, I thought they'd be right back around that, right back around 13 wins probably. 13-14 I thought with the 17th game this season. I know probably a lot of people just start calling me a homer for thinking that they're going to do that, but uh I th- I knew Kansas City would be a tough t- game against them which they ended up handling. Tennessee's they've played on the last Two or three years has always been a tough game for them. I knew Tampa Bay would be a tough game. Was not expecting the Jacksonville Jaguars game to go the way that one did. But I think they're playing well. Yes, obviously they've got some issues, but I was thinking they'd probably be around 13, 14 wins. Right now they're 8 and 6. They win out. They're going to be 11 and 6. So I think that's a little less than what I was expecting, but still a very good season. Was there a particular moment in the season where you're thinking, okay, this team 
is going to exceed expectations and could be back in a Super Bowl for the first time since the early 90s? I think after the Kansas City game, when they just kind of pretty much handled them, I think that that game really showed that they had the ability to, for lack of a better word, play with the big boys. Kansas City's kind of been their Achilles heel the last year, beating them twice last year pretty soundly both times in the regular season and in the playoffs. So I figured when they beat Kansas City this year that that was a really good sign towards taking that next step forward. Was there a game, a particular loss, that made you think, what is going on with these guys? Could they miss the playoffs totally? Was it the Jacksonville game? Was it the Patriots game? Was it the was it a loss to the Titans? No, the loss to the Titans really didn't put dampers on it for me because that was such a close-fought game. I mean, they were right there at the end. Josh Allen slipped at the end, wouldn't go in. I mean, they were on, what, the two-yard line at the end going in and a fourth down, and he slipped. I mean, that happens. No real game really made me think that they weren't going to make the playoffs, to be honest. The Jacksonville game actually made me pause and go, whoa, there's definitely some things here that they need to work on. But I think also the indie game showed that they were that there was also some deficits and things that they were going to need to work on, too. The way that the running back just kind of rolled right through them on, in Indy. That one was more of a weather game, I think. Kind of not really made me question if they were going to be able to still make the playoffs. I still feel that they should, and I still think that they'll have a chance to win the division when they beat the Patriots this weekend. But I always thought that they'd still be in the playoffs. Looking at the field of the AFC playoffs, who's a team that you feel that the Bills match up the best with in the AFC when it comes to the postseason? Oh, man. Um, I think they match up with everybody. I think with the speed that they've got on their defense and Josh Allen and the wide receivers and Dawson Knox that they've got, the receiving core, I think they can pretty much match up with anybody. I don't think there's one team that is a more favorable matchup than anything. I just think that if they come out and play their game and they're executing like they know they can, I think they play with everybody. Even um, Indy, I'd like to see a rematch of that game. Just uh, I think they play better against them. Is there a team that scares you in the AFC? I mean, the team that everybody else in the AFC fears, you guys handed them a 18-point loss. Who is it? Is it Kansas City? Is it New England? Is it somebody like Miami who's starting to make a charge? No, nah, Miami doesn't. Miami's not even going to make the playoffs, I don't think. I think they're too little, too late in the season and don't trust Tua at the end of a season. Look at the end of last season. He had to just win in Buffalo and they got – absolutely demolished with him as quarterback. I don't even think Miami's going to make the playoffs. The team that really, I think, matches up the hardest, I think, is going to be Indy. They proved it last year in the playoffs. They were a tough out, came right down to the wire. Last play of the game, almost had another Hail Mary against us like Arizona did last year, but Buffalo pulled that out. And then this year with, with the running back, Taylor, guy's a beast, man. I mean, you got to stop him. And there's not been too many teams that's been able to stop him yet. So I think toughest matchup, I think right now looking at the AFC is I think Indy would give us the biggest trouble. Another thing we normally do in between our prediction is ask another question off the top of our head. But to you, 
What do you think has been the Achilles heel of the Bills this season? Offensive line. It's just been very inconsistent, whether it be because of injuries or COVID-related. They doesn't seem that they've had the same five offensive linemen for most games. They're always shuffling or someone's out or someone's hurt. I think the offensive line has been the biggest inconsistent part of the game for Buffalo this year. With the receiving core that the uh, Bills have, talk about Diggs, Beasley, adding Emmanuel Sanders, where would you rank their receiver core compared to some of the other teams in the NFL? I think it's top five. Um, I think it ranks right up there with the ones from – I was listening to some of the locals here in Baltimore area today, and um, Cincinnati's got – three top good receivers, obviously Kansas City with Hill and Kelsey, uh, and obviously Tampa Bay's got top wide receivers with Goodwin and Mike Evans. So, I mean, I think they're right there in the top five with any team in the league. As we start going towards the Super Bowl prediction, who do you have coming out of the AFC Who do you have coming out of the NFC? Who wins the Super Bowl? And what is the final score? Oh, wow. You're really going. Um, I think Buffalo still has a very good shot at coming out of the AFC. And obviously, I'm just going to stick with them. NFC, personally, I'd like to see Green Bay come out of it. I think that would just be an awesome Super Bowl with Green Bay and Buffalo. Basically, the old veteran and Aaron Rodgers versus the young gun and Josh Allen and just seeing them just light it up. I think I think it'd be a um, very good matchup. Obviously, I can still see Arizona coming out of the um AF, out of the NFC, even though they took a huge loss to Detroit last week. But I think I'd probably go with Buffalo and Green Bay. I think Green Bay is going to end up with that top seed and going to Lambeau and winning in the playoffs and the cold of January is going to be hard for any team to do. As far as the Super Bowl prediction, oh, man, I really hadn't thought about it too much, but I'll take Buffalo. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm a homer, but, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Buffalo win that first Super Bowl. As far as the score, I I don't think it'd be a low-scoring game. I'd probably go 35-31 Buffalo would probably be my prediction. How far would a Super Bowl win by the Bills go exercising all the past demons? Oh, I think it'd be huge. I mean, the only thing I could probably compare it to would probably be like when, I hate to use this analogy, but when the Boston Red Sox finally won that World Series. And then they brought, I think it was the next year after they did it, they brought back Bill Buckner that let the ball go through his legs on opening day to throw out the first pitch, I think it'd be pretty close to that. Would we see Scott Norwood come out of obscurity again? I don't know if he's really in obscurity because if you ever watched the um, Four Falls of Buffalo that the ESPN did a few years ago, the 30 for 30, he still was very beloved in Buffalo after that. Yeah, he missed one. They didn't ostracize him. He still kicked for them, I think, at least one more year after that into the next year. I don't think he's as hated in Buffalo as Bill Buckner was in Boston for that. 
I was always curious about that. I, I, you know, it's weird that the Scott Norwood stuff, I always think they sort of make him out like he's Ray Finkel or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was, if you ever watched the 30 for 30, even when after that Super Bowl, when he missed that field goal and then they had, I think they still had a parade in Buffalo for him when they came home, the fans are still cheering his name. They were chanting for him. If you go back and watch that 30 for 30, it's very well done. And I don't think he was ostracized as much as people thought he would be in Buffalo. It's a very unique fan base. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, As we start to wrap things up, do you have any shout outs you want to give to anyone, anything you want to promote and what are ways people can reach out to you on social media to talk bills football? Oh man, not really. This is the first time I've ever done anything like this. I don't really, mostly I just post memes and uh, make fun of people on Facebook. So, I mean, it's just Scott Martino at Facebook. Anybody wants a shout out, go right ahead. Yeah, not, I don't really do a whole lot of stuff like this. So, the defending AFC champions, they are the Kansas City Chiefs. Last year went 14 and 2 in the regular season, 16 and 3 overall with an unfortunate loss in the Super Bowl to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This year, following a slow start, they are in control of the AFC West once again. And here with me to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs is longtime Kansas City Chiefs fan, Keith Abbott. Keith, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I really do appreciate you being on. Thanks, sir. I appreciate you having me. I love talking Chiefs football. Definitely. And I know we're going to get into all of that as well. And normally, as we start, the first thing I ask is, how did you become a Chiefs fan? And what has been the attraction to them? And what's kept you through good times and bad times? I became a fan in 1994. Uh, not many people know but that Joe Montana retired from Kansas City. My mom was a big Joe Montana fan when I started watching football. Uh, so we went from San Francisco to Kansas City. And then when he retired, that's when I was 10 years old, I started getting into sports. I just stayed with Kansas City and been there ever since. Yeah, and I know, like I said, I've seen a, a number of guys play signal caller with the uh, Chiefs. I think Elvis Gerback. I think of, of course, Steve Bono, Alex Smith, all the way up to Patrick Mahomes, even Warren Moon and his little stint there. And it's crazy just like when you start rattling off a bunch of names, they start bringing back old memories, both good and good and sometimes negative ones as well. Yeah, yeah we've had some good quarterbacks, but we've had our share of uh, not so good quarterbacks. <laughs> the oh, Matt yeah. Castles in that run, that was a... Uh, that was a tough stretch there. No, definitely. There's always a clunker here and there over the lifetime of anybody's fandom. And you can think of how many people can just pull one out. I'm like, oh, that guy. That was, yeah. you know, that's always buyer's remorse there when you think about it. Right, for sure. What is your most memorable Chiefs moment? Is it the most recent Super Bowl win against the Niners? Or is it something else in particular that sticks in your memory? Yeah, so the Super Bowl uh, two years ago was definitely big. I actually got to go down to... Florida for the game. I didn't go to the game. But there was a big watch party, Kansas City watch party at Fort Lauderdale. So it was like being probably close to a thousand other Kansas City fans. Two-story bars is awesome. So, you know, just being there with all the Chiefs fans, you know, it's been so long since they've even been to the Super Bowl. And, you know, being 20 miles from the stadium, it was really cool. And that's definitely my biggest Chiefs memory and probably sports memory, our greatest memory, I should say. Going into the season, what were your expectations for the Chiefs? I know coming off that disappointing Super Bowl loss, what were you hoping that the Chiefs could do in the AFC West? Yeah, I mean, I like their chances. Uh, we've been pretty tough in the AFC West the last, you know, probably six to eight years now. Um, you and Alex Smith was quarterback. Uh, you know, we still are 
winning or or finishing top two. We built the offensive lineup, which I think was a big problem in the Super Bowl. So I felt like on paper we got better, but the season started, I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> no, definitely can understand that. Was there a particular game that made you feel that, okay, the Chiefs are back, there is no Super Bowl loss hangover, and that you guys are going to roll back to where you guys were in the playoffs? Was there a particular win that made you feel extremely confident about that? Yeah, I would say the Cowboys win because I think it's like our third or fourth one in a row after starting the season off very slow. And, you know, Cowboys are a tough team. We did beat the Packers, but it was without Aaron Rodgers. So I think that Cowboys win, that was a big win. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe we are back and, and here we go. Let's get rolling. What was the game that worried you, especially a loss that made you think, are these guys all right? Or is everybody catching up to the field? Was it the Buffalo loss? Was it the Tennessee loss? Was it the Baltimore loss? Yeah, I would say the Tennessee one. I mean, the Baltimore one was tough, but, you know, we were in that game the whole time. But Tennessee, we lost 27-3. to That was also the, the fourth loss for us that season. So I was like, uh, maybe this is where we are this year. They maybe figured it out. Mahomes didn't look good. The defense didn't look good. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe our Super Bowl run ends here early. And seven wins in a row that you railed off. I know everybody will say, if you look at the competition, as you mentioned, even the Green Bay game, no Aaron Rodgers, but you've decimated a lot of the opposition. A 48-9 to win against the Raiders. Previously, there was a 41-14 to win against the Raiders. And then you beat the Broncos 22-9. To you, what has been the key in this turnaround and that seven-game winning streak? I think the defense is playing amazing. I know a lot of people are still saying that Kansas City's offense is looking subpar, but they don't have to score to 40 or 50 points right now because the defense is holding, you know, other offenses in check. I'm on the defense uh, right now. You know, it's a hard thing to say when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, but defense keeps playing like this. I definitely like our chances. Going to the AFC playoff matchup, who do you think the Chiefs match up the best with in the field of competitors in the AFC right now? Oh, you said it a while ago. Hopefully, I'm I'm definitely rooting for the Raiders to get in because you know 48 to nine and 41 to 14. Uh, I definitely like matching up against them. You know, um, if for some reason we slip from the one, you know, and that could be like a two seven seed game. I definitely like that. If not, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know the Titans beat us pretty bad. I like our chances against the Titans, especially without Derrick Henry. Who's the team that scares you the most? and the playoff run, or even teams that are like on the bubble. Is it the Los Angeles Chargers? I want to say San Diego is so bad, but but is it the Chargers? Is it Buffalo who looks like they're sort of getting on the rise? Is it the Colts who have maybe not a Derrick Henry-like running back, but uh, someone in Jonathan Thomas who is who is really going to be a, an X factor in the playoffs? Or is it New England, especially as hot as they've been getting? Yeah, I just something about them Bills, man. Josh Allen's a great quarterback, so... I would be a little nervous to play the Bills. And like you said, New England's defense is, is tough. But uh, after the loss this, this week, uh, you know, I think Andy can figure out a way to beat them. So I'm hoping to not play the Bills. Maybe the Ravens keep sliding, don't get the playoffs. I would be okay with that too. But yeah, definitely the Bills. When it comes to the success that the Chiefs have had, and I'm, of course, you, you start seeing the, the exposure Patrick Mahomes gets everywhere, Madden covers and all these other things. Do you feel like that – there is a concern that when is this other shoe going to drop, especially as you see the teams in the AFC West are starting to get better and more competitive. People could say if it wasn't for the Gruden thing in in Las Vegas, maybe they're a bit better. Denver's getting better as well. All they needed was a quarterback. And of course the chargers new coach. And it seems like they're going in, in the right direction themselves, but 
did you feel like one, the field is starting to catch up to the Chiefs in the West? And two, did you expect the West to be this competitive so soon? Man, Justin Herbert is he's a great quarterback, isn't he? San Diego, I think, is going to be there for a while. I'm looking at it being the Chiefs San Diego battle for maybe the next, you know, two or three years. Uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to keep signing some players. You know, Patrick Mahomes got that big contract, so that's taking money from other places. But uh, hopefully, we can just ride it for a while. I mean, we're going to have Patrick Mahomes for nine more years now, hopefully, you know, barring any major injuries. So, you know, we got to ride that wave. You know, that's one of the best quarterbacks to play the game, I think. So it should be interesting, that's for sure. Do you feel that Andy Reid's legacy has also changed now with the Super Bowl win? I know all those years in Philadelphia, get into the championship game uh, and not being able to get the job done and then getting to the Super Bowl but losing. Do you feel like the whole reputation Andy Reid had as a coach that couldn't win the big one is now gone with that one, especially getting to the Super Bowl and back-to-back years at one point? Yeah, yeah, I think he's definitely got that chip off his shoulder. Um, and, yeah, he's one of the – Greatest coaches, you know. I mean, even when he was in Philly, you know, doing his thing there, even though he didn't get a Super Bowl win, he's he's tough. So uh, I think I think the Super Bowl will definitely help. I definitely think if he can get another one this year, you know, go two out of three Super Bowls and go to three Super Bowls in a row, be the um, I think fourth AFC division win if if they go to Super Bowl again, or AFC conference win if they go to Super Bowl again. Um, yeah, I think I think it pretty much sets him as one of the best coaches uh, that's been in the game. Also, how long do you think Andy Reid has as a coach? Do you feel like if they get to the Super Bowl and win this one, this is the way to go, just to go out on top? Or do you feel like he still has another couple of years in him as a coach? You know, I, I if he does win it this year, I think that uh, he may go, especially, you know, he's had some issues with his son, you know, and all that. I mean, I hope not because, like I said, I hope he stays around. I think if you give him the lifetime contract like uh, Duton gave Coach K, you know. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we win the Super Bowl that he does retire. And is there a concern about the transition? Who's going to be the next guy? You've seen guys like Peterson and Nagy get hood coaching jobs. While Peterson did win the Super Bowl, Nagy is sort of uh, on the hot seat. The seat's burning up in Chicago. But do you sort of worry about what happens with the next transition of power after that? No, I would hope that it would come from within. I'm drawing a blank right now. You can probably tell me the offensive coordinator, though. Benjamin, Benjamin, yeah. Man, I would love to see him stay and, and step in for Kansas City. If uh, Reed retires, I just don't think that. I think he's probably going after the end of this year. He, he should be a head coach already. So, As we start getting to the predictions for the Super Bowl, who do you have coming out of the AFC? Who do you have coming out of the NFC? Who wins the Super Bowl? And what is the final score? Well, AFC, you know, I got to pick Kansas City. Not just because my team, because right now I think they're the hottest uh, hottest team out there um, in the AFC. I, it's a crazy year. You know, COVID, COVID can affect a, a playoff game you know, going down the road. So, you know, it's it's what team not only stays healthy, like injury-wise, but, you know, with having players sit out with COVID and all that. I mean, the team that gets hottest, but I definitely like Kansas City. And AFC, I like Green Bay. I think Rodgers playing with a chip on his shoulder. Um, they're playing really good football. Um, so I like Green Bay there. I mean, you can't count out Tom Brady. I just think that Rodgers, you know, with the whole contract issue, is he's going out there to, to get into a Super Bowl. Um and between them two teams, I like Kansas City, you know, maybe like a uh, a 28 to 23, you know, close game, one possession game. And like I said, it seems like no one's talking blowout. And I don't think anybody wants to say a blowout is in the cards for a Super Bowl. Everybody's going to think it's going to come down to at least one possession. Yeah, if if Kansas City gets in it with Tampa, I'd be OK with uh, paying it back with a blowout because last year I was that was tough. <laughs> 
as we start to wrap things up, Keith, do you have any shout outs you want to give to anyone, anything that you have to promote or want to promote? And what are ways people can reach out to you to talk Chiefs football? I'm pretty much just on Facebook, Keith Abbott Jr. I get on there, talk a little uh, sports. Um, I do have a Twitter account. It's actually called at Sports by Abbott. I get on there some too. Mostly I'm just on there, you know, just sharing Kansas City sports stuff and Washington Capital stuff. Really no shout outs other than you for having me on here. Um, I love the uh, podcast and things you do. It's cool to have somebody, you know, local that does that. So I definitely appreciate it. The Titans are really a behemoth in their division and in the AFC. And here to talk about the Tennessee Titans is longtime Titans fan. You've seen him here a few times before talking about the Titans, touting him. It feels like he's been on for every year that we've done it. So, I mean, which means there's consistency in, in Tennessee. So that's a good thing. It's Jason Bruce. Uh, a lot of you guys have seen him on here before, and are, he's back again here to talk about the Titans. How are you doing, Jason? Pretty good, man. How are you doing? I am doing great. I always tell people every day above ground is a good one. I know that's so cliche, yep. but it is true because it is that whole thing here today, gone tomorrow, because you never know. 100%, man. Yeah, and I didn't want to try to make it morbid there, but you know, that's how it is. It's just like, hey, enjoy all the good stuff. And like now, you have a lot to enjoy with the Titans sitting at eight and four in the AFC South ahead of Indianapolis, who's sitting at seven and six, and then basically well ahead of everybody else after that. Yes, but man, there's I I'm not gonna lie. I feel like we're hanging on by a thick thread. Can I say it that way? We're in good shape, but you know, I don't want a whole lot else to go wrong. <laughs> Let's get into, of course, the questions I normally ask everybody when it comes to their beloved team. How long have you been a fan of your team and how did you become a Titans fan? What was the draw to them? Grew up in Tennessee, you know, 80s, 90s, no team back home. And then when uh, when Bud Adams moved the Oilers, I'm keeping my eye on it. But from jump, we were told, you know, they're going to be the Tennessee Oilers for a few years. And then when we get the stadium built in Nashville, we're going to rename the team. And I said, you know, I'm 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 gonna buy my time until then we got the new name in 99 and buy the gear wear the gear be there from that point on i know that they had mentioned because i think of going back to the history of it the reason they picked the titans because uh that uh that where they're at is basically the athens of the south i believe nashville is called the athens of the south yes yeah, and that's why it went so naturally and going back to your history of being a titans fan what is the most memorable moment? Is it the Music City Miracle? Is it that first Super Bowl? Where does it rank? Um, those are definitely top three to five. I will say in the last, I mean, literally the the nineteen season, the Derrick Henry jump pass to beat the Ravens is right up there with all the rest of the moments. Derrick has cemented himself in Titans lore along with Eddie George. And I, I, you know, I don't have an Earl Campbell Jersey, but Earl Campbell as such a, a force and a pillar of the franchise that you, he's creating his own moments as we go. And I will say easily that, you know, yeah, the music city miracle for what it did. And as much as I hate to say it, 
Yeah, coming up one yard short. Probably one of the top three Super Bowl finishes of all time. As much as that hurt to be on the wrong end of that, that was this iconic moment for the NFL that happened to be the Titans. And then since then, Derek's been the high point. Going into the season, what were the expectations? I know after the playoff loss last year, they were thinking, what more can you need to do to advance to eventually the AFC Championship game and possibly another Super Bowl? Oh, they went out and did things toward that. You know, I, as much as it's been maligned throughout the year here, I think picking up Julio Jones, it made a difference. It allows you get people off of AJ Brown. You know, now you got to worry about if, if you know, we'll get into this later, but if everybody's healthy, you've got Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Furkser, Julio Jones. Who do you double? So to go out and get Julio was nice. We made good strides on defense, I thought. We did what we needed to do in the offseason to improve the whole the whole squad. You know, morale was very, very good and very, very high at the beginning of the year. And it's it stayed that way for the most part until this last month to three weeks of just snake bitten with injuries. Looking at how far the season has gone, was there a particular game that where you thought not only are the Titans playoff bound, but these guys are going to be a force reckon to reckon with in the AFC playoffs? Was it the win against the tight against the Bills? Was it the the drubbing of the Chiefs? What was it any of those games, or was it something else? I would say that two week stretch, definitely that two week stretch coming to uh, to drop the Bills and keep them in check for the most part, and then turn around. The The question about this team is the defense. And for a defense that has question marks to hold the Chiefs to three points, you know, you don't – you think you're as good as you can get at that point. So at that point, we're – I think we're around eight and two, sitting at the one seed. And – you know, I'm talking to buddies of mine left and right, and everybody says, you know, it's not a it's not a 10 game regular season. So mm-hmm. you gotta go on, you gotta keep playing, and then the injury bug kind of bit us and we're sitting where we're at right now. That being said, while there wasn't any concern about making the playoffs, especially now on the 17th field and uh, and a not as competitive AFC South, but were there a couple of games or a game or so that gave you a pause. Was it the game against the Patriots? Was it the Jets loss or the loss you had to the Texans? All three terrible losses, all three basically inexcusable. But when the news came down about Derek's foot, you know, I think I speak for every Titans fan around when I say stop, take a drink and mourn, hope for the best, losing Derek, has been the absolute low point of the year because for better or worse, everybody knows that's the offense. That's what it rolls through. The offense goes as 22 goes. If they want to put nine in the box and stop him, Tannehill's got the talent to throw over top of it. But when there's no Derek to worry about stopping, 
they can play nickel or dime the entire time. And now the receivers are all covered and Taney Hill's good, but he's not that good. And now we're in trouble. So we all knew that. Nobody in the Titan fandom was unrealistic about that. We all knew losing Derek was catastrophic. Looking at the AFC playoff matchup, who do you feel the Titans match up the best with in the AFC? I love the way our schedule has rolled out so far. We've, you know, we've played and beaten Buffalo. We've played and beaten Kansas City. We played New England in a thunderstorm with, you know, 17 people on IR. I feel if we can get where we need to be health-wise, and the big one is obviously to get Derek back. And when Derek went down, the big comparison I saw and read about was the comparison that when Ray Lewis went down in 12, if you remember, Ray Lewis went out in like week five or six with what was thought of as a really catastrophic elbow injury. And he wound up coming back for the playoffs. They obviously went all the way. Derek's initial was six to 10 weeks. And they said, you know, eight was optimistic. The people that said that have not seen Derek work out. If you've seen the YouTube videos and the TikToks, Derek is an animal. He is... If you tell him that if you work out, you will get better, he's going to do that like nobody else will. So I think we get Derek back before the last week or so of the season, and then we have him for the playoffs. And at that point, it's a different animal. Looking on the other side, which team in the AFC, as a Titans fan, scares you? Right now, still probably New England. It pains me to say it, but Belichick is an absolute genius. How do you do this with a rookie quarterback, a patchwork offense, name three players on their offense, and, you know, the same way on the defense? He coaches football as a team better than anybody I've ever seen. He has no stars. How do you attack a team like that? So if I got to pick one to be scared of, it's New England. And before we go into our prediction for the Super Bowl, I always have to ask, what is it that you've seen the Titans do differently this year compared to the previous two years when they were making their runs in the playoffs? This year, I've seen a little bit better defense. There's still times where there's inexcusable failures in the secondary. People get just burnt like toast. That can always be better, you know, until you get – the 2000 Ravens defense, you can always have a better defense. I saw a lot of, there's been a lot of play action, which I like when you got somebody like Derek, it's a no brainer to play action to him on second and short. And then look for AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Ferkser. You've got options. When we've got everybody together, we've got options that we like. We haven't had that. Probably not since, geez, probably not since McNair with Kevin Dyson and um, Derek Mason. Derek Mason crew. There you go. Thank you. With that, those kind of options at receiver and Frank Wycheck at tight end. And the one thing is this we have to ask this because we saw it with Chris Johnson. How long? 
do you think the shelf life of Derrick Henry will be? Because, you know, of course, the wear and tear, even though he's a big, powerful back, but you always wonder when does father time come calling? The human body can only take so much. No matter how big you are, I don't see him going another five years, honestly. I see maybe three. Anybody that takes that kind of a punishment, be it, you know, running backs, tight ends, professional wrestlers, you can only take so many bumps. And when you've got 300-pound guys slamming into you three at a time, you know, 30 times a game, that adds up. You can only go so far. I say low end three, high end five. It'll be interesting to see, and hopefully he's able to reach the peak of success in that window. Oh, yeah. I mean, he still may oh, play yeah. afterwards, but as we see, sure, you can be Adrian Peterson at 36 playing, but how effective are you at 36? Exactly. As we start to wrap this up, the first thing I want to ask you, your Super Bowl prediction, who comes out of the AFC, who comes out of the NFC, who wins the Super Bowl, and what is the final score? I haven't done it in the last three years I've been talking to you. I'm going to do it this year, man. I think if we get Derek back in, you know, week 17, week 18, if we get Derek back for the playoffs, I worry about the Pats and the Pats alone. I think it's us coming out of the AFC. Um, Out of the NFC, I think probably Green Bay, Tampa Bay. I'd love for it to be Brady. I'd love to knock Brady off again like we did in 19. But I think if it comes down to that, I'm going to say Titans and Green Bay in the Super Bowl. And uh, I think we pull it out, brother. Tighten up. I'm going to say... 24-21. 24-21. Nice close game. Everybody has their thoughts. It's going to come down to a field goal, whoever is in the Super Bowl. Yep. It's, this has been a super year of parity for everybody. There, I saw a graphic today that was you can take any team in the league and literally follow them all the way, all the way around. Every team has beaten every other team. There's a massive transitive property from every team in the NFL. It's crazy. And I mean, and there's still, it's weird saying that it's still five, six, seven weeks ago. Cause I don't remember the math anymore. I know it's 18, but I don't even remember what week it is anymore. <laughs> right. I think we are in week 14 right now. I have to ask you one more question before we go to the shout outs and wrapping things up. Your thoughts on the seventh playoff spot in each conference and the extra week. Do you feel like it makes things a little more competitive? Do you think it, it may lead to more injuries. What What are your thoughts? It is what it is. I think they're only doing this 17th week for two or three years. You watch. We're going to 18. The owners want the extra game for the money, for the revenue. I would be okay with it. You've got such a paradox in it. You need to cut the preseason if you're going to extend the regular season. And if you do that, you wind up, remember how many injuries we had in the first five, six weeks with people not being ready, having not played any kind of a preseason. I'm okay with the seventh playoff spot. I'm okay with the only the one seed getting the bye. It, you know, does what it does. You've still got to win the games. I come from a wrestling background. And it doesn't matter what you're seeded. If you want to win the entire thing, you're going to have to beat the best teams in the bracket. 
like right now with college football. I got a buddy that's a Michigan booster. He's going to Miami to see the game against Georgia. And they're talking, you guys going to win it? Well, you're going to have to beat the top two teams in the SEC. And he goes, yeah, I know. That's the way it's going to break down. Sorry. But as far as trying to win a championship, you're always going to have to beat the best teams available. That's just the way it is. Like Ric Flair said, be the man, finish it, Earl. You got to beat the man. boy. <laughs> well, uh, Jason, as we wrap this up, what are ways people can reach out to you on social media? Do you have any shout-outs you want to give to anybody as well? And, and anything else that you want to promote? I was uh, I was hanging out at Gateway Brewing Company in Salisbury, good friends of mine, and they were prepared to let me do this there. I was able to push it back. Good people there, good people. Go check them out. Shout out to my wife for putting up with this. She's hanging out in the other room right now. And uh, nothing else to say, but, you know, go Preds and tighten up. I really appreciate being able to talk to all seven contenders of the teams in the AFC playoff field. It was definitely a labor of love, and I really enjoy doing something like this, no matter how crazy it can get when it comes to chasing down fans and trying to find people who are willing to talk about it. But next time, we'll be back talking about the NFC playoff field and the seven contenders there. As always, all episodes of the Sports Refuge podcast can be found wherever podcasts are heard, including Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and on the Sports Refuge website. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of these apps and leave a mention, which we'll read on a future episode. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Sports Refuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at The Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.